welcome back to another. Well, thank you. Yeah. Oh, you were talking to them. Oh, because I you were. I didn't. I was. But I thought that, that's not. But like we did. The, and then you. You didn't. But I. I wasn't. I. I didn't mean to. Hi guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome back for another goose chase. It is our fourteenth episode. These are really adding up. Yeah, we are chasing so many geese. Really, it's actually surprising me how fast they're going. It didn't. It doesn't feel like we've done thirteen of these already. Yeah, I mean that means that we do this once a week. Hmm. <sighs> means we've been doing it for a little less than thirteen weeks, right? Well, we've been publishing them for, we've been doing them for yeah, thirteen right. weeks. Yeah, right. We've been publishing them for less than yeah, that. like some like ten or nine weeks. Yeah, because we saved some up, but we've been doing it for thirteen, fourteen weeks. Surprising how fast it goes. I'm actually really excited about this one. Uh, to be Me honest, too. I did. I had a lot of fun with the research. I got all animated and kind of to myself. So this is. I don't want to talk. Too much about the topic yet, but this is a topic I've, I've kind of wanted to know about for a while. And mm-hmm. when we introduce a topic, we'll talk a little bit about why and our personal interactions with yeah. this topic. Um, but enough about that for now. Yeah. Yeah. How are you? Yeah. Eh. Yeah. I. You know what? I haven't talked about it yet on this uh, podcast, I don't think. Or maybe you I have. did. Oh, yeah. Cause... Because you explained the sound. Right. But let's talk about it again because you're still at it with That's the right. no smoking. Drogsy baby is eight days in without ape a cigarette. Days in. Ape, grape ape days in <laughs> without a cigarette. Um, Seriously though, I salute you. It's it was it was very very frustrating at first. It's you getting had a, lot a couple easier. days last week when we talked about it. You were digging your fingernails into the wood table. I think I was just doing, the, just trying to claw the table apart. Yeah. Um, claw the leaf off the table. Yeah. Uh, getting a little easier. Um, <laughs> I immediately noticed a difference in my breathing, like within days. Um, yeah, if that's not motivation to keep at it, then I don't know what would be. Yeah, really. Like, and breathing tell, seems like such a basic thing. And I can tell hearing you. Really? Yeah. And you even, like, you were talking uh, for Thanksgiving... When we were talking to my stepmom, um, you were talking about like even the rattle, the wheeze yeah. you normally have, had subsided a little bit, and it had only been like a few days at that point. Yeah. And uh, you demonstrated yours, and my stepmom also smokes and has for a very long time, and she demonstrated hers, and was just like, "Oh, yeah, it's crazy what you can get used to." That's I think like. The most nutso thing about being a smoker is you can totally accommodate all kinds of bullshit into your life and just be fine with it. Honestly. I mean, I. With anything. With anything. We are incredibly. We people, humans, are incredibly good at just like getting used to the circumstances you're in, whether those are self inflicted or not. Mm -hmm. Like, I have a chronic illness, and there are times when it's worse than other times, and sometimes. I have like joint pain and I'm in pain for a while mm-hmm. and then it subsides Chronic and I'm like joint. I follow what you're saying. <laughs> Sometimes like when it subsides, it takes me a while before I realize I'm not in pain every day anymore. Yeah. But the first thing I notice is that I have more energy. Yeah. Like, Oh, I've like been really motivated to do stuff and I've wanted to hang out with people more because mm-hmm. you haven't been in pain constantly, but you get used to, 
whatever it is you're dealing with. Yeah. So, like, you were used to not being able to breathe as well. So, you accommodate that circumstance yeah. until you change it or, you know, until it changes on its own, whatever like, the case nuts. may be. It's nuts. Little things like, you know, going up and down the stairs here and there. They're just a little bit easier. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's weird to notice it. It's also the thing that freaked me out was the one day we left the house for, like, a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. And then came back and I was like... Oh, I can smell the cigarette smell yeah, like right. that kind of hangs around even if even if I haven't smoked in here in a while. Like I noticed it and it freaked me out. Uh, and I had forgotten all this stuff because I did this once before. I like quit for like a year and a half and I used an e-cig instead. And then I decided mm-hmm. I could just have one. And uh, I had one cigarette and that night I bought a pack and I went right back. It was like I never stopped. Yeah, um, I think the biggest thing is just going to be not smoking cigarettes, not letting yourself believe you can just have one because clearly it's not the case. You cannot just have one. You cannot just have one. It's so crazy. Like, I don't know. I guess, I guess that's just how addiction works. But like, and, shut up, dog. And also, like, if you're predisposed to it, if you have a, an addict brain. Yeah. It's way easier, you know? It's way easier. And cigarette companies are still around for a fucking reason. Yeah, right. They're good at getting people addicted. Yeah. I I tried. I tried to get addicted to cigarettes. (laughs) (laughs) But a couple things prevented me. A, I hate... You the hate, taste yeah, you it. hate the taste of a cigarette. You've mentioned that before. I don't mind the taste. Like, I've dated smokers before you. Yeah. I don't mind tasting it on someone else. Mm-hmm. Or, I don't love the smell of it, but yeah. it doesn't, like, totally put me out. Yeah. I've, and I've also always had a lot of friends that smoke. Right. So I was just used to it already. Right. But the taste of it, if I smoke it, it's not good. I don't yeah. like it. Yeah. So then, since I don't like the taste of it, um, the only reasons to do it are for the actual effect of the nicotine mm-hmm. and to look cool. <laughs> Which, it does look cool. Except if you're me <laughs> and you have my friends, because anytime I would try to smoke a cigarette, yeah. my friends would just fucking laugh at me and be like, you don't look fucking cool. You look stupid. Stop it. <laughs> and these are my friends who are the smokers yeah. who begrudgingly gave me the cigarette because I demanded one and were like, don't do this. You're a fucking idiot. Don't I, be like us. I can't recall if I have ever seen you smoke a cigarette. It's usually only if I'm drunk and I haven't smoked a cigarette in a long time. There was one occasion where I was so intoxicated that I kept breaking people's cigarettes in half somehow. (laughs) And since they knew I was going to smoke some way or another, they just started holding the cigarette for me. (laughs) It's like (laughs) enabling someone at its finest right there. But I was in... They gave you a cigarette and then you went to smoke it and broke it in half. Or I would like take a puff off of someone's and just somehow break it in half. (laughs) And they're like, what are you even doing? You're wasting all of our cigarettes. So, um... But no, I haven't had a cigarette in a long time. I prefer things like, if I'm going to do that, I would rather have, like, hookah. Mm-hmm. I'll go to a hookah bar, which I haven't done that in a long time either. Or um, 
occasionally have a cigar or I have a pipe. So I'll, I kind of, I prefer the pipe, but the downside to that is the fact that you constantly have to relight it. It's like your activity has to be smoking the pipe. Yeah. And I am not able to just focus on one thing at a time. I have to be doing several things at once because yeah. I'm broken. So. <laughs> See, I'm looking forward to a time where I think I can sit and smoke a pipe or a cigar and be cool. And maybe I could now because honestly, they're really different, different activities for me. You know. <sighs> It is different, and right, and as you've used them before, you've used them like supplementally. Yeah. So, like I have been in the middle do of a cigar. It, if you continue to do it supplementally, like I, I think you'd be okay, but give yourself time. You yeah. know. I've been in the middle of smoking a cigar and went, God, I really want a cigarette, and put the cigar down <laughs> to have a cigarette. Like they really are completely different experiences for me, and the need for them is like totally different. This dog will not stop groaning. Honestly, though, I listened to the one episode where he was groaning, and it, I couldn't really hear it that well. So mm. from all the way over there, the, he's an idiot, but right. he's fine. I got an eye on him. <laughs> I need a Nerf gun that I could just start firing rounds at him when he does mm. this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, he will eat all of those. Yeah, he probably will. <laughs> um, and then I was going to tell you something else that I hadn't told you yet. I woke up at like 2.30 in the morning. Yeah. Uh. With an incredible leg cramp. Hmm. Like woke up dead out of like out of dead sleep because my right calf was my foot was at a weird angle because my calf was so tight and seizing. I have had this happen many, many times. It's happened to me before. The worst time was when it happened but I was so exhausted yeah. that I woke up and noticed it. Yeah. But was so tired that I fell back asleep with my leg cramped and ended up with a Charlie horse that took two weeks to go away. Oh my god. And like prescription strength ibuprofen. Is a Charlie horse just when you when you when it just hurts after you have a cramp? No, a Charlie horse is a a knot. It's a seized muscle. Oh my god. I don't know if I've ever had one or not. Uh it's basically like if you get a muscle cramp and you don't work it out and it just stays kind of cramped. Yeah. I suppose I've had that sort of thing happen. Yeah. Where like I'll have a leg cramp in the middle of the night and then all the next day I can't walk right. Right. You probably had a Charlie horse. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> but in in my case, the first time it happened really bad to me, it was when we were working at Little Caesars together. Mm-hmm. Because I went from just being a college student who went to classes and walked around a little bit to... Going to classes over the summer at YSU, because I came back home for the summer. So I was going to classes in the morning for like five hours, five days a week, and then going and working at Little Caesars for several hours a day, and then going out at night. And so I wasn't sleeping well. probably wasn't drinking enough water. I know I wasn't eating, right? Yeah. And I was dead tired, because I was taking classes and... Working and going out and playing music at night. Yeah. So that's why I was so dead tired. Sure. That, like, my leg cramped up from being on my feet all day and I wasn't used to it. And then I just slept right through it. Yeah. And then because I had a Charlie horse, 
I started walking weird to accommodate that, and then my other leg started cramping because I was walking weird to accommodate it. I was a mess. <laughs> I don't even know if I told you guys about that when we were working together, but it was, like, horrible. And then when I started this job that I'm currently in, I'm on my feet all day, mm-hmm. and before that I was at a job where I was sitting constantly for yeah. my entire job. So the same thing kind of happened. And once I started going to the gym, it got a lot, lot better. Yeah. But I've been rearranging my schedule a little bit and adding derby in and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. so I've had a hard time fitting the gym in and figuring out a good pattern. Yeah. So I'm not going as much. And then it's winter time and I always like get dehydrated in the winter and I'm a mess. <laughs> I had an energy drink. You just yesterday. gave me like the whole list of everything. Everything's that is wrong right now. Everything's wrong. I'm bad at living. I'm bad at being an adult. I just need to drink more water. That's all it is. Maybe eat a banana. I can't even manage these simple things. I did make an effort to drink more water today. I have water here with me. I also uh-huh. have a beer, which isn't good, but yeah, it's fine. It's I, fine. I, uh, I'm i throwing away my water jug, which I love so very much because it's all gross and weird now. Yeah, and... so there's like moldies. I don't know what I wiped my finger on the inside of the water jug and just black stuff came up. Mold. I feel like I feel like the plastic might be falling apart. I don't know. It's probably mold. Whatever it is, I've been drinking out of that thing for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> so You're I am probably going to die. That's gonna yeah. That's gonna be what kills me. Um, not the smoking. No. Well, not anymore. Now mm-hmm. I have exciting other ways to die to look forward to. You know, that's the main reason to quit smoking. Yeah. For all the exciting other ways you'll yeah, probably figure die. figure out all the other ways you're, you could die. I thought I had it figured out for so long. I don't know you how know, I'm going to cope with this alternate future. I kind of right. wish I knew how I'm going to die. I want it to be something exciting. I'm definitely going to choke on pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if I choked on a food item. Yeah. Steak has nearly taken out <laughs> two women in my life. Yeah, Not right. even joking. Steak. Like. Steak is gonna be the way one of us goes. My grandma had to give herself the Heimlich over the back of a chair because she was alone and choked on a piece of steak. Pretty scary. Yeah. And then my mom, obviously she was successful in saving herself. (laughs) And then my mom was out at a restaurant with my brother and stepdad and she choked on a piece of steak. Yeah, and your brother and saved her? My brother saved her. He gave her the Heimlich. He was like looking around and no one was helping. You're doing that, so he, is there a doctor in the house kind of thing? And, and that like, is anyone noticing that like she's, she's <laughs> clearly not breathing? Um, so he gave her the Heimlich and saved her. Uh, she does not eat steak to this day. You just made me so hungry for steak. I want steak so bad. <laughs> it's probably going to be my cause of death. It will be whether I choke on it or whether I just fatten myself up on it. It will be what kills yeah. me. <laughs> Congestive heart failure from the steak <laughs> or choking on steak. Christy. I want to know news. Would you like to play the hot new game that we're the only ones playing? It's the weekly news quiz. You guys can't see my face, but I'm no. really excited. It's <laughs> great for radio. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a face for radio. So, the name of this game, not the name of the game, I guess it's kind of the name, but I don't know. Uh, the goal is, the, the goal with the news quiz is I have I have two false stories and one true story, and Christy has to guess 
what the true story is. Is it true? It's true. Um, so, are you ready? Yes. I don't know what I would have done if you said no. I guess I would have just... We would have just We just would have packed it in. Yeah. <laughs> Number one. Sophia the robot is set to become the first robot citizen of the world in Saudi Arabia. And among its stated aspirations are to protect humans and have a baby. Two. Google's self-driving vehicle had the first crash for which it was responsible this week, misinterpreting a floating bag as a human being and swerving into the lobby of an Arby's restaurant. Okay. Three. Microsoft's Cortana database is breached in the UK, allowing the hackers to send automated suggestions to users across the region. The hackers use this opportunity to spam users with recommendations for Nicolas Cage movies. (laughs) So I feel that this is unfair because I know which one is the true one because I read about it. Ah, I was afraid of that, but I think it still counts. If you're you're newsy enough... If you're right. a little newsy reedy port, <laughs> then I can't I can't stop you. So you can blame the one group that I'm in on Facebook for this because they shared the article. But oh. the true one is the um the Saudi Arabian what is the term, the the citizen, but artificial intelligence citizen who wants ding, to have a baby. Ding ding. Um Ah, one of the one of the groups I'm in is a group for people who don't currently have kids and are you know don't want kids. And someone shared that article because it's like even the artificial intelligence thinks they have to have babies. But <laughs> <laughs> that's how much we're socialized. Yeah, of course. But, the thing about that AI, and I think it's worth mentioning, is that it's not really it's not. An AI in the sense that you typically think of them, where it's 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 uh, it's more scripted than ordinary. Yeah. So a lot of that has to do with user input. Yeah. So I'm sorry that uh, I ruined the news by knowing the news. That's all right. That's part of the game. I still, I you know, I can't count on you uh, not having heard all these things. So that's if you true. read it, if you know it, that's a that's a win. So... That's two. That's two back to back. So it's um 14 weeks and that's the first time that happened. <laughs> yeah, right, actually. Yeah, we don't always know um up to date. Like we don't always do super duper up to date news articles. So yeah, right. It usually isn't a problem, but that I'm glad you use that one cuz it's really <laughs> interesting. It is very interesting. I mean, even if it even if that's something that's pretty explicitly programmed by its <clears throat> creator yeah um i know that this this robot is designed to sort of adjust based on its interactions with people Mm -hmm. i'd be very interested to see if it's written in such a way that those ambitions or dreams might change maybe she'll interact with some child-free people and realize she doesn't need to have babies and also she can't i mean it's it's all right Maybe she, maybe she will. Maybe she'll have a baby. Maybe she'll like shit out of Timex. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, we we, we you know, just you don't gotta have goals. Yeah. <laughs> and I would love a Timex. So. <laughs> Who says um, you're getting it? <laughs> I'm gonna make friends with her. <laughs> well, we're gonna have to move to Saudi Arabia. Okay. All right. 
I see no problem with this plan. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's our middle segment. So yes, but I... real quick. Yes. Before we get to the middling segment, mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to give a quick update on something we talked about on a former news segment. Uh, someone we've talked about on a former news That's segment. That's right. That's right. Sam Barsky. Sam Barsky. Sweater because, man. Yeah. We've mentioned uh, your stepsister Jess before. Uh, and she recently went somewhere and saw, she was like looking on Instagram under like people who've tagged the place that she was. Yeah. And saw that Sam Barsky had tagged himself there wearing one of his sweaters. <laughs> and so that was really cool. And then realized that he lives... Um, in the same state as her. Yeah. And I'm not sure where, if he lives like super close to her or not, but yeah. he lives in the same state. I thought she said he was from Baltimore. Yeah. So that would that would suggest he's right. They're not that far apart. Yeah. So we're actually going to Maryland this year. That's right. In, to in, visit in, with them. Is it July or June? When we're July, going? I believe. Yeah. We're going to see the Pixies. Which is going to be so damn cool. With Weezer. Which is going to be what 14-year-old me would have died to do. Yes. Like what 30-year-old me is still pretty into. me. Yeah. Is so stoked. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, I'm gonna for the purposes of this, I'm gonna pretend that everything after you know, like including and after Ratitude didn't happen. I'm just I'm treating it like Weezer is like <laughs> locked in like 2002. So you're pretending Rivers never went to Harvard. Yeah, probably. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think he'd done that by the time they put out Maladroit, and that was the last album I was super into. Yeah. In my head, Weezer has four albums. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I don't mind the newer stuff, but it doesn't have the kind of associations for me the earlier music does because I was young and growing up and full of crazy hormones and yeah. like everything seems way cooler and more important when it's a soundtrack of all that mess. So God, when I think of some of the other music I listened to that was just such dog shit, but I loved it because I had feelings all over the right. place. Like, right. It sounds like the dog is deconstructing the living room upstairs. We're going to go upstairs and everything's going to be nail gun to the ceiling. <laughs> what is with him today? I, don't I know. think he's dropping his bone all over the place. That's probably, that's probably it. Um, but yeah, we're super stoked to do that. And we're the show we're going to is in New Jersey, but we're going to be staying with them um, in Maryland. So maybe we'll run into Sam Barsky. Uh, if I see Sam Barsky, I will shit my pants. I will <laughs> fangirl out on Sam Barsky. I will be so excited. Andy it's like, Kaufman looking motherfucker. It's like that time there was a local musician that ran an open mic night. And I got like really obsessed with him in a weird way. Yeah. Um, and I saw him out in public once, and our friend Katie was with me, mm-hmm. and that guy's name was Jimmy, <laughs> and just my first instinct, didn't even think about it, I saw him across the street and went, oh my god, it's Jimmy! <laughs> and Katie goes, oh my god, what's what's wrong with you? And it was loud, I think he turned his head and we like had to <laughs> hide our faces. <laughs> Um, And then we gave him a nickname so that would never happen again. Good move. Yeah. Smart. But if if I see Sam Barsky, it's going to be, oh my God, it's Sam Barsky. 
Can you imagine the weird kind of fame <laughs> that goes with being that very specific kind of dude? I think it's the right amount of fame. It's the right kind of fame. Yeah, but the the not the amount. It's it's a weird. It, it is a weird variety. Yeah. It's internet. It's internet fame. And not just internet fame, but a very specific collection of people who are like blown away drooling over knitting. Yeah, the right kind of people. (laughs) I just think it's got to be such a. Have you ever been around me when I've been around knitters? Have you ever been around like a huge group of knitters? No, I've not been around a huge group of knitters. (laughs) (laughs) This is not an outlandish question. Yeah, I just. I just think it's like a very odd kind of fame. It's like, you know what it'd be like? It'd be like being a championship eater. Like mm-hmm. those people that yeah. could just like stuff their face. And like the kind of fans you would have. Lots just, of knitters. Yeah, lots of knitters. <laughs> huge amount of overlap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know there's a huge amount of overlap between like beer snobs like in homebrewing and knitting. Because a lot of knitters like to drink when they knit. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a sedentary activity. you got to have yeah. a nice beverage handy. Yeah, and sometimes you get really mad at your knitting, and you drink a whole bottle of wine. <laughs> and it doesn't help the actual technicalities of the knitting, but you care less. I kind of think there's a lot of overlap between people who like beer and every other thing. That's true. I mean, <laughs> that's pretty true. Yeah. There's a lot of people that like to drink yeah. in general. Man, this <laughs> just makes me think of like amount. the... It makes me think of that documentary about uh, it was called How Beer Saved the World and just all this crazy shit about beer throughout history. Yeah. I mean, that it's nuts what we will do as a species to get fucked up. Because life has always sucked and that's not going to change. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's get into the actual segment. Let's toast to that. Yeah. Um, sounds of us slurping. Yes. So now you're going to get sounds of us eating because this segment, <laughs> this segment is um, healthier carbs. It's a smorgasbord you it's have in front of quite, you. quite a lot. So um, my stepdad recently had a health scare. He realized that he was diabetic and um, also realized there were some other things going on. And my mom... Um, being the sweet, lovely woman that she is, was like, okay, going on a diet. I'm helping you. My mom yeah. does all the grocery shopping and most of the cooking. So, um, obviously, she's largely in control of his diet because of that. So, she's like, on board. This is what we're doing. Low carb. And my brother was diabetic. He was diagnosed at 17. So, it wasn't completely unfamiliar territory to her. Mm-hmm. So, they have been looking for different breads and snacks, and because they like cheese and crackers, and they like uh, obviously everyone likes bread, or they like having breakfast sandwiches and stuff like that. So they didn't want to have to cut it out completely. So they tried finding stuff that they really like, and one of these things is uh, a brand of breads called the brand is joseph's joseph's bread yes they make like pita and the other thing they make is called lavish bread and uh my mom had been getting it at walmart but they haven't been stocking it lately and she you can't find it anywhere else 
So she ended up buying it directly from the manufacturer online and bought like massive amounts of it. So as I was getting ready to leave, she gave me uh, a package of lavish bread and a package of pita bread. And I thought we would try them. Sure. Um, some of the stats on uh Man, I, I have no breads. idea if anyone is going to care about us <laughs> eating bread. Yeah. Well, it, you know, it's good. I did try a little nibble of the lavish bread. It was very good. It's like a flatbread. It's shaped. It's bigger than like an 8 by 11 slice of paper. Can I make some observations? Yes. First of all, I would say it smells like bread. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Very thin, very soft. It's. I'm chewing it now. I would say it tastes like bread. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's most excellent because it is. Wow. And um, I guess as I swallow it, what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling is bread. Okay, don't be an asshole. <laughs> um, yeah, gotta spice up us eating bread somehow. <laughs> there are other things we'll be eating too. Yeah. Um, it's sixty calories for half a sheet of this bread, mm-hmm. and you can make a decent sandwich out of it. I actually think it tastes really good. I'm, I like I'm not it. joking. I love that. That's great. Yeah. I'm It'd all be joking really nice aside. For like a flatbread to make a flatbread pizza out of it, which is one of the things they're gonna do. Oat but, bran and whole wheat lavish bread. And flax. And plus flax. Which yeah. I don't even really know what flax is. It's, I know it's a seed. It's another seed, yeah. <laughs> good. Yeah. I like that. All right. I'll thumbs up that. for the lavish bread. Yeah, so let's move on to the pita. Let's move on to pita bread. Is it? Does it also have flax and oat? Or no? It doesn't seem to say that it does. Oat bran and stone ground whole wheat. Oh, we're pretty close here. Okay, uh, I would say the nose of it is very bready. Mm-hmm. Again, tastes like bread. No, I'm not going to do that whole thing. This it has a nice kind of saltiness to it. No trans fat, no cholesterol. Mm. These are the claims that are very boldly printed with exclamation points on the bag. It's written on there in like with a yellow banner and black and red text. It looks it's like a caution a, tape. It looks like a parking meter. Oh, to me it looks like caution tape. Like, do not cross. This has no cholesterol. That one has a weird sort of taste inside it that I don't hate, but it's definitely pita tasting. I don't know how to yeah. describe that. Yeah. But it's nice. Whatever they do to make pita pita, they did it with this pita. They sure did. They, they peed the really, peed really out of it. They peed it out on this one. <laughs> okay. So, another thing that we have been exploring is the world of low-carb crackers. I would say exploring is a very generous <laughs> verb. Hey, I did a lot of searching to find these damn crackers. It's true. You searched far and wide. So, your dad actually brought... The brand is 34 Degrees. Mm -hmm. He brought these over once um, with some cheese and stuff, and I loved them, and then I couldn't find them. Yeah. And finally, of course, found them at Walmart. Yeah. Um, They're really thin. They taste like rice crackers, but they're actually made of wheat. They have, like, a little swirly pattern printed on them. Listen to this sound. Yeah, they sound like... That crispy break. I really like them because I grew up Catholic and they remind me of communion wafers. <laughs> I always liked the communion wafers, but they don't, um, they're crunchy. They don't melt in your mouth the way communion wafers do. Yeah, I like these. They have a good flavor to them. These, they, I got they, the plain ones and the black pepper ones. Got a bunch of flavors. They crunch like rice, which is so weird because they're not rice, but yeah. they really taste like rice. They crisp like rice. Yeah. The black pepper ones are cool because... 
once you eat it, then the black pepper kind of starts. Yeah. You start really tasting it. So the more you eat, it kind of builds. and It's like a delayed burn. Yeah. And I would eat those like on their own more than I would eat the plain ones on their own. Yeah. And, and that, then. The nice thing about the pepper ones is you can taste the pepper up front. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of heats up, crawls up the back of your, your nostrils. Yeah, that's kind of what I like in spicy food. I like the slow burn. Uh-huh. And then our favorite. Which, I mean, I'm just, I'm in it just for these. I mean, these are so great. They're they're crackers or crisps, but really, <laughs> it's it's cheese. It's just cheese that has been given lots of little air holes and baked in such a way in a, that it's... a vague crackery shape. I presume a lot of the fat has probably left it when it all turned into a, you know, like it's got all the holes in it and, and like a kind of a the brand is hollowed called out thing. Uh, we have cheddar flavor and the original Parmesan flavor. Yeah. I can't recommend these enough. I mean, they're like they're like a little cheese snowflake. If you like cheese and you can eat cheese, mm-hmm. and you're not vegan. Oh God, so good. They're so delicious. They're nice on, like, a salad or with, like, a piece of sausage or something. Like, yeah. pepper. We had them with pepperoni. It was good. It's really a lot like... Well, I guess really all... It's it's like when you bake cheese onto a pan and then you scrape that little it's bit exactly off. It's exactly that. And then you get that nice, crispy cheese. That's exactly what it's this exactly is. exactly that. They make the, like, Parmesan things. They do this a lot to put on salads. Yeah. It's a brilliant idea. It is a good idea. I mean, if you do, like, a, a small handful of these instead of, like, you know, like a handful of, like, ordinary cheese, you're probably, probably a little better off, Yeah, and I there's, would think. There's about, there's one gram of carbs yeah. for half a bag of these cheese crackers. Yeah. So, Makes for sense. someone, I mean, obviously, there's more, like, fat and cholesterol. Yeah, right. But if you're watching your carbs, it's a nice little snack, especially oh. if you are a cheese lover, as my entire family is. Oh my god, so good! The thing Can't is, go wrong. what surprised me with these is that I expected them to be like kind of light on the cheese flavor. Oh no, they it's are not. very intense. They I are. told you that I don't even think I could eat half a bag of these in one sitting. <laughs> oh, I and know. You, I, you said you could, but I, I could eat three bags of that in one sitting. You kidding me? They're Easy. very rich. I mean, it's just cheese. It's just cheese. <laughs> and also, like, I shouldn't eat. Very many, because I am lactose intolerant. Right. right. Yeah, so that is um the snack section. The snack, snack segment. I kind of like the snack review section. I like it too. I think I think that I think that I would eat lots of that lavish bread, but you know what I would definitely do with it is roll some ham and cheese up in that bad boy. So we've been going to a lot of parties and gatherings lately where people have been making these like deli roll-up things yeah slicing them up in a little there's a recipe on the back of this bread for that kind of thing and it was like that's a perfect bread to use for that (laughs) yeah it's nice it kind of looks like a baking pan sized uh square of 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 like flatbread just very thin Mm -hmm. bread but it tastes it tastes like bread it's got a good flavor very bready. <laughs> Very much bread. So this it's, has just been where we talk about bread. It's bread. This Man. has been our segment, Is It Bread? <laughs> the verdict, it's bread. God, I always um, <laughs> wondered if I'm boring. 
<laughs> no, you know what? It's I think it's the bread is inherently kind of boring, but uh, we are we are we're we're doing all right here. Yeah, and it's you know it's a part of my life now, mm-hmm. and I didn't think I would have like all these in the past two months have all these like new snack options thrusted upon me out yeah. of necessity because it's what's around the house and yeah, right. Obviously, we're trying to make smarter decisions, all of us. So. Yeah. I'm not complaining. I like it. Meanwhile, I'm pretty sure I ate like a quarter of a pepperoni stick the other night by myself. You know, that's okay too. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, all right. Um, I'm, I'm going to give Bo a little piece of his bread because he wants it. He's going to he's gonna come back and bug you for more. He's going to okay. come back and bug you it's for okay. more. I love him. Um, well, it is, uh, it's about time for us to take a break. This is going to be a long episode. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure there's going to be a longer one. Because mm-hmm. I, I ended up doing, I, I don't know, we'll see how this actually plays out. But I kind of, I went down the rabbit hole on this one. <laughs> you went down the goose thicket. Uh, sure. We'll go with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to take a break. And we will be back with the main topic for this episode. All right. All right. <laughs> bread and then i also ate that bread yeah um i'm not going to promise that i won't be eating <laughs> munching and snacking all <laughs> as episode. we do this full disclosure i haven't really eaten dinner so <laughs> yeah it was partly just an excuse to eat <laughs> yeah understandable um so today's topic um i don't know if you prefer to, to introduce it or i could you can um, introduce it. The what we what we're talking about today is the extraordinary claims of Blink One Eighty Two frontman and founder Tom DeLonge. Yes, uh, or is it DeLonge? I think it's DeLonge. It's spelled DeLonge, but I think, I it's, think it's pronounced DeLonge. Yeah. And if it isn't, I don't fucking care because <laughs> that's the way it should be pronounced. Yeah. So uh, Tom DeLonge. Uh, has made a little bit of a name for himself lately, in particular for the last maybe couple of years uh, of, how do you describe it? People aren't sure if he's, you know, conning them or off his rocker or if he's on to something, but Tom DeLonge has been... Uh, Making waves. Yeah, he's been a proponent of a very specific set of uh, UFO conspiracy beliefs and... Mm-hmm. He is now uh, founding an academy called To the Stars Academy, which is uh, um, interested in UFO-related things that I'll get into. But he's, because of the fact that he's an existing celebrity and a, you know, a person famous in his own right for other reasons, a lot of the stuff that he has been saying has been gaining traction among a lot of ordinary folk. Yeah. Um, for example, the first time I heard about this... Yeah. Was at Christmas last year. Uh, my brother was telling us about this. And I'm a skeptical person. 
Yeah. <clears throat> and I also like to play devil's advocate. So I'm always the person asking, okay, sure, but why? Or, or into, like digging into the claims and wanting to know more. So yeah. obviously, because that's why we started doing this podcast. But uh, he he was saying, you know, some things about all of this stuff that's come out about Tom DeLonge and the claims he's making. And, yeah. and my main question to him was, but why Tom DeLonge? Yeah. Like, if the things that are happening are happening, if there is interest generated in the claims he's made by, you know, government organizations or, you know, those are some of his claims. Yeah. Why Tom DeLong? Why are they interested in working with him? How come they didn't just shut him down and act like he was crazy like they do to every other person who makes yeah. this kind of claim? Um, if it is legit and they shut everyone else down, why him? Why are they working <laughs> with him? Yes. And I was not given an answer that really um, sat right with me. Yeah. I, the answer that my brother gave was basically, um, well, because he he is a celebrity and he can kind of engage with the youth. And was like, maybe 15 years ago, but we're <laughs> in our 30s now, you know? Yeah. And sure, they still have an audience. Yeah. But it's he's a celebrity, but he's not like a celebrity. Yeah, he's not like Bieber. Right. You know, he's not like... Whoever the, the the kids are listening to. <laughs> I don't know who the kids are listening to. I don't know. Uh, yeah, right. So, the, yeah, basically a big chunk of his claims are that he has been authorized and has been working with gov- current and ex-government <laughs> people to release the real truth out to the people, but in just the right sort of way. Uh, and that because he's Tom DeLonge, he's somehow uniquely positioned to do this. And I will get into a lot of that. Yeah, so I... I haven't looked into the claims myself. I've been told some of them by other people. Yeah. Uh, I think your brother was actually talking to us about this, too. He was. Our, our brothers um, have been doing this little look into this research already. Yeah. So um, I was very interested for you to do this topic. Yeah. Like it got brought up recently by your brother at a family event. And then when it came time to choose your topic... You said, hey, I would really like to research this. Yes. We normally assign a topic, um, but I was on board because I've really wanted to know about this anyway. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, basically what my brother had asked me to do was just to listen to Tom DeLong talk about all this himself. And so that is what I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, in particular, it's Tom DeLong's appearance on the Joe Rogan uh, Experience podcast. Yeah, that's what he mentioned. Which is, you know, over two hours of, you know, them discussing, you know, uh, a lot of what, you know, this specific stuff. I mean, almost all of it is dedicated towards Tom DeLonge talking about UFOs, aliens, and things like that. Uh, and so I decided to take the take the dive into this and uh, listen to what Tom DeLonge has to say in his own words and try to get a sense of what's going on. So, let me start with the story in brief. Tom DeLonge's basic story, okay? Uh, He starts all of this off by saying that, you know, when he founded Blink-182, when they were getting famous, when he was on the road a lot, he always had a fascination with UFO and paranormal type stuff. And so he, because you're on the road a lot, you're doing a lot of reading Mm -hmm. because, you know, there's not a whole lot of things to do in a tour bus. in a bus. Yeah. A lot lot of time on the road. So 
he begins, you know, collecting a lot of books and material and watching a lot of online videos and stuff like this. Basically, this becomes a passion research project for him. Um, it's just something he's interested in. And and also, sort of around the same time when they're newly famous or be- becoming famous, mm-hmm. <clears throat> he creates a couple other companies and businesses as a way of providing himself some kind of diversification, some kind of, a, you know, like a financial stability. Not uh, putting all his eggs in one basket. Right. So he's launching, you know, like companies for skateboarding brands, media ventures, all this different kind of stuff. He's, you know, basically taking some of that new money and, you know, putting it in a couple Investing. other baskets. Yeah. Um, one of these companies is a media company called To The Stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is explicitly arranged as a source of books and other entertainment material. It's an it's an entertainment company, mm-hmm. uh, and they have merchandise type stuff, you know, like branded materials and all that. Um, one of the one of the projects that comes out of To the Stars is a book series that he writes called Secret Machines, which, as far as I can tell, is basically. A story about UFO technology and its alleged place or existence in human history. Okay. This is this book comes many years later, but it's relevant to me to see how this how this happens. Mm-hmm. Um, his his basic claim is that before he started to try and publish this book, he had already written it and worked on it. Um, and before he was was able to publish that or to make any other media, movies, stuff like that based on it, you know, after all, it is, he's running an entertainment company. He claims to have gone to pitch this concept to people uh, at the Pentagon. He basically claims he feels like he needs permission to publish this book, which is, like, clearly labeled fiction, right? Yeah. But he, the information in it comes out of all of his UFO research. And so he feels like he needs to go and get permission to publish this. Right there, I kind of was like, I don't, I don't really understand that thought. You're publishing a book labeled fiction, yeah. Even if it contains something that you're pretty sure is the truth, why do you need permission to publish a fictional piece? Right. And also, like, is anyone really going to assume that it's true? Yeah. Right. I mean, the, if you're publishing, unless it under... you're implying that it is, right. Uh, which is, you know, yes. So, basically, in doing in doing this, in contacting people for for, for permissions, uh, someone tells him, "Meet me outside the Pentagon on this day at this time," and he goes and meets them outside the Pentagon. And he claims that from there, he's taken into meetings where he discusses the nature of the, the you know what he's going to be writing about, and these people are. You know, asking him where he heard all this or how he put it all together, and he's telling them, "Oh, I found this all through my research." And they basically set him up and say, "Listen, there's someone you need to meet." And then he's got another meeting. Cigarette smoking man. <laughs> of course, naturally, this guy's <laughs> in the mix somewhere. Um, now he ends up having to have another meeting with a, another person, telling them more. They set him up with this other person. Um, it's a, a couple of steps up the ladder to until he's dealing with you know like current active you know. Uh, high-ranking officials, as he likes to say over and over again. Mm-hmm. High-ranking officials. Uh, but yet not saying who they are. Yes. Uh, and and more or less the, the end conclusion of this is that he is working with those people to disseminate truths about 
alien technology. Even before I go any further, even getting this out of him took forever. <clears throat> and I'll get I'll get into that in a bit, but it was very difficult to get him to just answer a question. Yeah. But the claim ends up being this information wants to get out. These people want it to get out. And they've decided that I'm the person who can help them. They want it to get out the best way, which is clearly through Tom DeLonge. (laughs) I know. Setting aside, it's so hard. It's impossible, I think, to set aside the fact that he's Tom DeLonge. So, I mean, that's the catch-22. It wouldn't work if he wasn't, and it doesn't work because he is. The catch-182, am I right? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but that that's basically the gist of what I was told, and the point where I went, okay, but why? <laughs> why yeah. him? If they want it to get out so badly, how come they don't just go on the record and say it? Yeah. Or how come they haven't used... Any other number of people who believe this stuff. That, and and yes, that is a central question. It is super important to whether or not it seems plausible. And also, Why like, Tom DeLong? If this information isn't out yet and it's so clamped down, yeah. how was he able to do research, the kind of research that reveals all the stuff that Pentagon higher-ups yeah. are surprised and astonished that he knows and convinced them to work with him. Because yeah. there are plenty of people who are all into this stuff, yeah. who believe in it wholeheartedly, who have made careers out of just this. Yeah. And if they can't figure out this research, if they couldn't find this information and go to officials with it and get someone to actually pay attention... And want to tell the truth. Because a lot of these UFO people, that's what they want. Is they just want the government to actually tell the truth. Here, here, there is an answer to this question. I'm so glad. Because... <laughs> or at least he has an answer to this question. Okay. I know it won't satisfy me. No. <laughs> <laughs> His answer to this question is that the information is not that well kept secret. That all of it is out there. But that he has managed to piece together relevant information in such a way that he sees the connection between events, stories, mm. you know, sort of he like apocryphal it details. In song form. Mm. That's what he did. He went and he sang to them. Mm. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Mm. I'm, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Maybe. Pentagon higher ups are just real big blank fans. Uh, I almost said polygon (laughs) higher ups. The the polygon. The polygon. It's just weird shaped. It's got like. uh, It looks kind of like. It changes shapes slightly all the time, but it's always a polygon. People inside it. Oh god! I hope it doesn't move around again. again. It's like the staircases in the Harry Potter in Hogwarts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the Harry Potter. In the Harry Potter. Oh god! I'm an old. I'm an old. You're one of those olds. I'm one of those olds. <laughs> um, so here's the thing. The, the, he says the reason that they take him seriously enough to listen to him is, A, what I just told you about having pieced together all of this all of this information and made, you know, sort of laid out the story as he describes it, the story that they're telling. Mm-hmm. I think it's weird that he says it that way. I think it's weird that he calls it a story if it's what happened, but he does say that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Well, maybe he... I, I mean, I can understand using that verbiage because it did come from him writing a book, writing a story. Right. So um, I'll, I'll forgive that. But the other thing is that, and like I, like, a, uh, like I said before, he claims that he can provide a service. He says, I have a service to offer them. That's why they're talking to me. He did not make the claim that I had heard before that it's because he has a, he can reach the young people. Well, I don't think that was necessarily a claim that he made. I yeah. think that was when I asked my brother why, right. that was his justification of his kind of idea of like, yeah. well, it's because of this. But that he doesn't make that claim. What he says is that he has a service, and that service is that those people don't know how to make a movie. Dead serious, Tom DeLonge says that the reason that they're cooperating with him and giving him access and, and helping him is because he can help them make a movie. But Tom DeLong knows how to make a movie? No, I don't think. I don't know. Uh, he's, I don't, he, he's basically, I think he even threw in other media in that claim, but it's as if all of these people have never known or have access to anyone else who knows how to write or direct or anything. Which I think is a really out there claim. Like, oh, I have a service. Like, you're not uniquely qualified to do that. But it is the claim he makes. Again, I'm going to come back to the fact that there are people that do this thing as their job. And they have production companies dedicated to this. Right. And he is not alone in this. I mean, good for him. But he's not the only one. And so I still have that question of like, okay, mm-hmm. but why? Yes. Um, and I will not be satisfied, and I know that. Uh, so he also says that these government types, they want to tell everybody everything. They mm-hmm. want the truth to get out. But then they struggle with the idea that people can't handle the truth, and so that they end up telling nobody anything. And... Uh, he feels that he has a method or that he's uniquely capable to disclose just some of the information at a time. Kind Again, of dole it out. Do it through song. <laughs> he says they don't know how to do that because they don't know how to make a movie or write a book or all that. He thinks he's the one that can do it, right? Um, getting into some of the specific claims uh, that he makes about UFO technology. He believes that the Roswell, New Mexico event was the, 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 the thing that crashed in Roswell was a saucer of German origin, but that it had hallmarks of alien design. Okay. So the claim is that, the, he, first of all, he says the Germans were 100 years ahead of us during World War II, which is a demonstrably, fa- demonstrably false claim. Yeah. Um, the Germans had some unique strengths. They did have some rocketry that was somewhat more sophisticated than us. But they were essentially on par with the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, this claim has been trotted out a lot. It doesn't hold any water. Uh, the Germans were not leagues beyond, uh, you know, and and I think probably the the results of World War II bear that fact out. Yeah. Um, so basically, his claim is that they were um, way ahead of us technology wise because they were had some affiliations with aliens. Yeah, that they had access at least to alien technology. Not that they necessarily were working with aliens, but that they had okay. something they could utilize. Say, I'm just gonna put this out there. If <laughs> aliens helped the Nazis, I don't fucking want those aliens. <laughs> yeah, those aliens can fuck right off. It's like, you know, the reason I'm an atheist. 
I can't believe in a God that I think would like cause pain and destruction and let people have horrible things happen to them. And mm-hmm. I just can't, it doesn't make sense in my head. Why? Same goes for aliens. Same thing for aliens. <laughs> I don't want to believe in aliens that aren't smart enough to be on the right side of things. Those ain't no aliens for me. I'm not a fan of them aliens. Aliens. He also claims that Operation Paperclip, uh, which I'm sure that you've heard of. A lot of people have heard of Operation Paperclip. Uh Uh-uh. This is an an authentic operation in which we snatched up a lot of Nazi scientists. Okay. uh, After World War II. Um, A lot of people, like like, uh, Werner von Braun, Mm -hmm. uh, for example. A A lot of Nazi scientists were recruited, brought to the United States, essentially... Pardoned of any involvement they had with the Nazi Party mm-hmm. for the advancement of our science program, and he claims that that was about gaining access to this alien technology as well. Um, further contentious uh, is that he claims this is a weird one that we were secretly working with the Russians all throughout the Cold War afterwards, and that that's the reason the Cold War stayed a Cold War is because we were actually working with them because. The both of our nations were more concerned about the aliens coming back than we were about warfare. But then, but then, yeah. why have a cold war? It was really more of a lukewarm war. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like the, tepid war. The least efficient way to do this is to maintain the facade that you're kind of at war with each other. I, like, I think what he's getting at is that we want the facade. We don't want. We don't want anyone to know. But it's like yeah. you could have just been the same as you always were Mm -hmm. and not have the facade of coldness and just say nothing about it and it would have the same effect well he kind of touches on this kind of thing uh you know the sort of nature of the government obscuring the truth and another claim where he says that he says for example the moon landing which was highly controversial apparently i mean i think it's pretty well it's pretty well established we've been to the moon but he says is he one of those well he says no, he's not exactly. He okay. says he says that the government perpetrated the question of whether we landed on the moon themselves as well as demonstrated that we did land on the moon because they didn't want any of us asking what's on the moon. Do you see what I'm saying? Okay, yeah. And the so, claim he's trying to so make is that... So basically he's saying the whole um, truther moon landing thing was started by the government because... They didn't want people asking questions about the moon specifically. Yeah. They'd rather them question whether or not it actually happened. Yes. That's the kind of claim he makes. And he does this on multiple subjects. And the problem I have with it is that, well, I have a couple problems with it. But the main one is that it's completely unfalsifiable. There is no way to demonstrate that as false because it's you can't because you can't prove a negative on that kind of thing. Yeah. You know it's I mean? unfalsifiable, and it's just like the justification for that is—it's just like really nebulous reasoning. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, it's it's a uh, it's convenient. Yeah, it's convenient for him because it's it opens a big mystery box off in the corner. Yeah, I think a lot of the ideas he has, a lot of the rationalizations he makes, end up at. But what about this thing we don't know anything about? It's the kind of thing we dislike about any kind of, like, conspiracy theory or often religious arguments where you can't necessarily know the cold hard facts and 
there's always what we call a trap door. There's always something to distract you. There's always an illusion. There's always something else to Falling fall back down. Falling to the next logical level up in the conversation. And yeah, then so you're your like, off the real issue. okay, but why this? And then he goes, well, this thing here. And they're like, uh, okay, well, I can't even finish debating what we were debating before because now I have to talk about what's on the moon. Yes, because you've changed the subject, you've moved the goalposts, and we're not talking about the same thing anymore. Right. Um, which which drives me nuts. It's infuriating. Um, here's what, what I want to talk about is the things he won't talk about. Okay. And I think these are, these are relevant. <laughs> um, one of the things he won't talk about is who many of his contacts are. Basically, any of his contacts... That worked with him secretly. He won't name positions. He won't name names. Um, he does not exactly talk about. He dances around it, but he won't talk spe- about any specific information that he provided them that convinced them that he was really onto something. He won't talk about the specific information. Okay, if the goal is to disseminate this information yes. and tell the world, how come you won't do it? Right. He does drop little breadcrumbs here and there, which one of them I will get to later. But for the most part, he doesn't talk specifics. Um, here's one that drove me nuts. <laughs> he, uh, for example, uh, he said that there's satellites that track UFOs coming into our atmosphere. And Joe Rogan says, Joe Rogan, <laughs> Joe Rogan says, well, you know, what do they do to track that? How do they track that? And he goes, oh, I don't know. Right? So he, he's okay, very quick so- to say, I don't know. And then Joe will say, well, okay, how often do they do this? I don't I don't really know. Okay, so how do you know that they do? Yeah. And if you don't know this, and you can't answer basic questions about these claims you're making, yeah. A, who does? And um, B, what do you know that convinced them that you know anything? Yeah, right. The thing, the thing that drives me nuts in particular about those two I don't knows is that he's positioning himself as an expert who knows things. Yes. If you don't know the basics of how they would track something entering our atmosphere, if you don't know the basics of the technology even, is it is it infrared? Is it camera? Is it like, if you don't know Watch anything about it. Star Trek and make something up. And I think the reason he won't get into specifics is because the minute you start talking specifics, you reveal what you don't know. Yep. And I think that's a really critical thing to recognize is every time that the conversation shifts towards Okay, well, how do you know that? Or how does that work? There's really a want, lot of waffling. I really want to listen to this episode. I think you should. Of Joe Rogan's podcast. And also, like, good on Joe Rogan. And I'm sure that was, like, kind of frustrating. <laughs> well, the thing about the thing about Joe Rogan is he's, he's no stranger to having some pretty fanciful theories of his own or things that he really wanted to entertain. But I think... A lot of the time, he's he is an information driven guy, mm-hmm. and if he you know sees you know an argument presented you know that is that is reasonable, he'll tend to go for it. I think he yeah. I think he's I think he's even at the introduction of that episode, he said, "Man, you know, I used to believe in Bigfoots. I had that cr- Bigfoots, Bigfoot. <laughs> Bigfoot. I had that crushed out of me. I used to believe in this. I had that crushed. Yeah. So here's Tom DeLonge to talk about another thing that I really want to believe, and that's okay. Yeah, like. Having that part of you that really wants to believe something. Sure. That's awesome. That's fine. Like, I wish I had more of that left in me. Yeah. But it's also 
being able to logically look at things and use your critical thinking yeah. and go, okay, yeah, I really want to believe this, but that, are the yeah. facts there? At this point, I just want to know as many true things as possible and, and not believe as many false things as possible. Yeah. My aspirations on that are pretty basic. <laughs> you get taken advantage of less mm-hmm. if you have a firm grasp on skeptical thinking yeah. and the facts. Sure. I... In, we've talked about a little bit, I think, about how we're both pretty empathetic people. And because of that, when I was a kid, I was often, like, taken advantage of for the fact that I, I really cared about people. Yeah. But, and believe what they tell you. Yeah. And because I was taken advantage of so many times and got burned so many times, I developed this critical thinking ability of going, oh, wait, something smells fishy here. Maybe I'm not going to do this thing for you because I feel like you're not really being truthful. Yeah. Like, it behooves us to kind of put ourselves first a little bit and use our critical thinking. Not to be a killjoy, not to be a jerk, not to not want to believe things. Yeah. But to protect ourselves. And honestly, there are so many cool, real things out there. Yeah, exactly. Like, You're robbing yourself of the actual fascination of the world when you entertain yourself with stuff that, that's silly, that doesn't stack up. Yeah. Uh, and to Joe Rogan's credit, I think he really did ask a lot of very critical questions. I mean, from the couple that you just said, I mean, it sounds like he's... Coming at it from the right angle. The basics of just, yeah. okay, cool, but how do you know how, that? How does it work? How do you know that? It's like a fundamental philosophical question. Right. <laughs> um, so, uh, and one more thing uh, that, that drove me nuts, and this is another thing that, about what he won't talk about. He, a lot of the time when he's asked a specific, uh, rather than answer yes or no or get into detail, I'll say, well, you know, you got to read the book. Ugh. That, to me, is a, such a tell. Because I, I feel like that's not the that's not the way that someone with information they can't talk about handles it. That's the if, way someone who wants to sell a book answers yep. a question. If your ultimate goal is to disseminate information, if the people you're working with really want that, you will use every opportunity you can yeah. to tell the truth. You are on a well-listened-to podcast and given yeah. free reign for, what, you said a couple hours yeah, a couple to hours. talk about this stuff, and yeah. you won't just talk about it. A instead, lot of it is, is diversion. Instead, you'd rather sell your book. And I get that. Yeah. People got to eat. People got to make money. But if your goal really is to tell the truth and yeah. reveal what's actually going on, mm-hmm. then you should do that. Okay, so... On to the really obvious bullshit, because I compiled a couple of claims that struck me as so particularly bullshit that they they stood out to me. Um, he t- at one point in the interview he talks about having, it, you know, what, it's hard to convey exactly how bullshit it sounds without hearing his tone of voice. Okay. But he's apparently having a meeting with a high-ranking government official, mm-hmm. of course. Uh, in a empty restaurant in an airport, and the guy tells him, just kind of drops it on him. It was the Cold War, and we found an alien life form. It just drops it on him like that, and it just the way he says it, it lands like a dead fish. Like mm-hmm. I can't explain how. 
Like, he expected it to be way more impressive than it was. I think so. It was one of those things where I'm just like, nah, you think, you, you, you think, you, you think you're fooling me, and I don't like it. Mm-hmm. It just, I didn't like the way he said it. <laughs> um, he also claims at one point he was interrogated for two days straight after the publication of his book, which, again, is labeled fiction. Mm-hmm. He says, um, he, first of all, Having been interrogated for two days straight, forceful interrogation, he says. Like, very aggressive mm-hmm. interrogation. Not violent, but aggressive interrogation. Somehow he's comfortable talking about this openly on a podcast. That still doesn't sit well with me. Yeah. I mean, I think his claim is that they interrogated him for two days straight to figure out how he knew what he knew. And yes. then once they figured out how he knew what he knew... They were okay with him knowing and want to use his specific talents to tell everybody else how he knew what he knew. Well, this is this is a, this is in the timeline. This is after he's already hooked up with a whole bunch of other people in the government who are already helping him. But then these guys show up from a different part of the government. Oh, okay. And they're trying to figure out who leaked to him. Is his claim? Who oh, leaked okay. this information to him? And he has to explain apparently. That no, this is all stuff I found myself. And again, it's a two-day interrogation. Here's the part where I went, uh-uh. He says, he, in telling this story, there were six of them, I think. Six. I think. I don't know how you get interrogated for two days straight and, and only think you remember how many people were there. I mean, okay. So brains aren't good with details. I could, if it was actually a legitimate, stressful situation, you can misremember things. But if you're trying to convince people you know what you're talking about, you would just fucking lie. You would just say, like, there were six. Why why would you hedge? Don't hedge. It struck me as fishy that he didn't remember that. That's my personal opinion. Like, memory is very prone to failure. But if you're making a claim like that, you just say there's six. You don't hedge. You don't say you think there's six. Yeah. Just say there's six. Um, we won't know the difference. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's it, it didn't sit well with me. It didn't sit well with me. Um, so those are the things that just caught my attention. Uh, I want to narrow in on one very specific claim he made because I... I, I, the problem with people that that talk about things the way he does mm-hmm. is that they pepper you with claims. They just throw everything at you really quickly, and they never let you slow down enough to examine any one of those claims in full. Right? Yeah. It's uh, they have a name for it rhetorically. It's the uh, I can't remember what they call it. There's a, there's a name you know in um, in uh, what you call it. I'm trying to blank. There's a name for the rhetorical device of just throwing information at somebody. I've um, always just, and I guess I'm just thinking of the concept of just like throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks, throwing as many ideas out there. Right, and what, what it does is it makes it impossible for you to respond to any one of those things. Right. Or it's if you barrage. do, if you do, and you successfully negate one of those things, they still have 20 other things out there for you to 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 deal with. It's a really, I think, unfair, dishonest way to talk about things like this. Yeah. One of his claims, and this is one that got a lot of attention and time on the podcast, so I want to get into it in specific. 
Um, it, with regards to specific alien technologies, this is the one thing that he actually presented was that we there exists a metallic fragment of a craft somewhere. We have it. Mm-hmm. And that it was atomically aligned metal. I'm not quite sure exactly what that means, but that it was... It seems like a nonsense it, descriptor. His claim was that it's aligned in such a way that it was definitely forged or 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 joined off of our planet because of the, the effects of gravity on metals. I'm not touching that part. I'm, okay. Um, I was going to say, atomically aligned metal is every metal. It's everything because we're all made of atoms and they're all aligned in some way. Yeah, right. Like they, everything forms these compounds. They're all yeah. atoms are joined. But yeah. um, he says that this metal, when you radiate it with terahertz, that's the words he used. You radiate it with terahertz. He didn't say bombard it with particular, like hit it, it with, you know, what type of you know, energy you're hitting it with. I wish people could see my face because I I feel like it's so skeptical. It's about to implode. It's a real scrunchy face. caving in on itself. He says when you radiate it with terahertz, and he admits he doesn't know what that means, uh, it loses mass and it levitates. That's the claim. Now, setting aside the fact that things with very low mass don't just levitate... Right. Because that's not how that works. The question I had was, is this a real effect of anything? Like, is there any material that you can bombard with, you know, some kind of radiation or some kind of energy and that it lifts or that it it, it has any kind of force underneath it? You don't need something to just lose mass. You need something to act actively against gravity. Right. So I looked and I found something. That kind of fascinated me. Oh, yeah? Yes, I did. So now we're about to get into something really, really nerdy and specific. But <laughs> My favorite thing. I wanted to pursue this one because it got so much time. Basically, he was showing this levitating object. It was like a triangular craft. Mm-hmm. And it is flying around. It looks like a drone is what it looks like. But, yeah. But he was claiming that this was, you know, a craft made of that particular material. And so I thought, okay, is there any way to levitate something like that by hitting it with energy? Without, Mm -hmm. you know, without like a propeller or anything like that. There is an effect uh, generated by high voltage electrodes that does something similar to this. And it's called the Biefeld-Brown effect. Okay. When I first found this on... YouTube, I was like blown away. I'm like, what am I looking at? Mm-hmm. Um, the simplified version of this experiment is you have two electrodes, right? You have a smaller positive electrode and you have a much larger larger negative electrode. Okay. And in between these two things, you have a really high voltage energy source. Danger. High Danger. voltage. High voltage. When we touch. When Makia's. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, basically, the voltage is high enough that ionization starts to take place. And okay. what that means, because I didn't understand this, is that the high voltage terminal sitting above the low voltage one, it's got so much charge to it, or the negative terminal, I should say. They're both high voltage, but there's a positive and a negative terminal so right? where's the negative terminal the electrode the negative electrode is on the bottom mm-hmm. the pot is positive ones on the top okay the the voltage is high enough that it starts ionizing the atoms in the air and that means it's it's starting to rip electrons 
out of the air in between them mm-hmm. in an attempt to stabilize the charge. Okay. When that happens, and the electrons are just getting plucked away, and you have all this, the gases in the air in between, deficient of electrons, they start to pull down. Because they're... Change your density, right? Well, they're trying to also reestablish equilibrium with their charge. And to do that, they want to go to the negative terminal. That makes sense. And this happens back and forth a lot. Mm -hmm. And it creates something that they call ionic wind. Mm -hmm. It's... Basically, it's an effect of oscillating the air and creating this effect. And when you place something light enough in between these two things, you can actually see lift. Okay. You can actually see it jumping around and acting weird. They even did it on Mythbusters. I couldn't believe. Oh, that's sweet. I love Mythbusters. That was the only way I could be convinced this was a real thing. (laughs) Because I looked at several videos and I was like, this, okay, I see the strings, buddy. (laughs) Ha ha ha. Nice try. It's a real thing. <laughs> and uh, I didn't believe it. But this also tells us that it doesn't depend on a specific kind of metal or craft. It's right. something that can be duplicated. Now, the video that they were talking about with the thing floating in the sky, I highly doubt that's what was creating it. Mm-hmm. What I think that is, is video manipulation. I really don't think, because based on what I was looking at, and I didn't, you know, it was just such a large space that I couldn't imagine electrodes above and below this thing. Plus, this effect is really unpredictable. It doesn't just lift things up real neatly and then set them back down. Things jump all over the place because they're unstable. It's not like an even, neat field of force. It's like putting it over a bunch of different fans that are going off and on like crazy. It just jumps. Mm -hmm. Um... But, and this is, I guess, more critical to their claim that this could be used to, that metal could be used to levitate a spacecraft. Mm-hmm. They've done tests to see what happens in a vacuum. Because this effect has been debated, you know, as to what was causing that lift. Mm-hmm. So they've done tests in a vacuum to see if it actually has to do with the air in between the terminals. And lo and behold, when you do it in a vacuum... You don't get lift. Okay. So it's actually generating wind. Yes. And so that is what causes the lift. And in specific, you couldn't fly a spacecraft with it because you don't have any of that air in space. It's true. So even if even if this kind of thing could levitate something of any reasonable size... Yeah, if that's the method they were using, they would not have landed a craft here because they could not do that in space. Yes. So I know that was a really specific kind of nerdy diversion. No, that's but cool. I'm glad you talked about that. I had no idea that was a thing. Um, so basically, uh, okay, so I want to move on to what I think is my second to last here before my conclusion. I know this is a long episode, but bear with me. I'm okay with it. My question is, all right, what's really going on here? What is up with Tom DeLonge? Mm-hmm. Does he believe this stuff or does he not? Is I feel like he... that's something you and I always get stuck on is, is this person outright manipulating people and lying to people or yeah. do they truly believe it? Yeah. Because I understand if people themselves are misled or misunderstanding things or you know they truly believe things and maybe that you know what they believe isn't necessarily real but they really do believe it i get that 
Yeah. I don't like seeing people manipulated. It pisses me off. I don't like seeing people lie to people. Yeah. It just makes me mad. And this is something we always talk about. It's like, what's their motivation? Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think think in this case, it's, I have to say in fairness, there's no way to really know. There usually isn't. There usually isn't. I mean, I I think many times I've said, you know, you you have to apply some kind of standard of, you know, skepticism to to you know you, you you certainly don't want to assume the worst of somebody you just kind of have to go based on the evidence of what you're looking at what right. is really happening with something like this um i do think he's full of shit but i don't think i can attribute that to the fact i that he's lying yeah to being malevolent yeah mm-hmm. i don't i don't know that i would say that but setting that aside here's here's what we know for sure Tom DeLonge himself admits multiple times throughout the course of this interview that he's not an expert on the technologies that he's talking about, but also claims that he knows enough about them to have caught the attention of very willing, you know, government entities that want the world to know about it, right? Mm-hmm. So he's an, he's, an, he's a non-expert, but he knows, but he's also knowledgeable enough to get their attention. Mm-hmm. This, to me, is a major conflict. In his yeah. story. Um, he claims to be certain this information is being suppressed and he's committed to releasing the information in stages to create public awareness and that the culmination of all of that information is going to be creating an actual honest to God spaceship. Did you hear about the guy? What, the guy who wants to launch himself into space in a rocket? Yep. The flat earther guy? Yep. Yeah, that guy's going to blow himself up. He doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Worried about you, Tom DeLong. Don't blow yourself up. Um, here's a not insignificant piece of information about all this. His company is looking for investors. Mm-hmm. Um, his, you could call it a crowdfunding effort, but what it actually is is a is an open investment period. You know, uh, authorized by the SEC, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a very specific structure in these offering letters that they have to follow to. Mm-hmm. So they establish what they would do with various levels of funding. Okay. And they and they have to do this. It's part of the promise to the investor is, yeah. if, if we make at least this much, here's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. If we make more, here's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a minimum effective amount of $1 million, which I will spoil. He has already passed that. He has already passed that and a maximum amount of $50 million. Um, so anything less would have been returned to investors. Um, they outline in their use of proceeds section uh, at the $1 million level and every level above it, there's one particular stipulation that keeps coming back, right? Okay. The bare minimum at the at the $1 million collection level they stipulate that they will use the funds to pay back $400,000 of a loan provided to their company by Our Two Dogs Incorporated. Okay. So the company is starting off in a position of debt to Our Two Dogs Incorporated. Yeah. And Our Two Dogs Incorporated is a company owned by Tom DeLong. Okay. So he's creating a company in debt to his own company. He's, yes, he's starting, he already has both companies. He's starting an investment period 
in To the Stars Academy with the minimum stipulation of paying himself back. So he's in debt and he's getting people to pay back his debt. I wouldn't I, the thing is I wanted to be clear about this. It's not exactly like the guy is in debt in debt. $400,000 to him is more than likely not that much and I believe when I looked up his estimated net worth it's like 80 million dollars. And those numbers can often be wrong. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure that $400,000 is probably not breaking the bank for this guy. I really I really don't think. But it's weird. It's a weird continuous stipulation in there. Especially for, I just feel like someone who, someone with that much money, why is that? And by the way, the maximum loan repayment amount back to him is 600000 So he actually, he's given the company $600,000. Okay. At, at $1 million, he agrees only to pay himself back for 400000 But above that, when they hit the next threshold, he pays back the full 600000 And it just seems weird to me. It's like, you know... If 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 one million dollars is raised, you're comfortable taking just under half of that and putting it right back into your other company. Yeah, it's fishy, right? It's almost kind of non-committal to the cause that you're talking about being so passionate about. It's. I'm just trying to wrap my mind around it and and to get the right words for this. It's. It's definitely fishy. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't sit right. No, it doesn't. On the one hand, it's like, I want want people to make their money. Like, I get it. You're investing in it. But if it's your company, if they're both your companies, if you're running a business and it's not a non-profit, you'll get money back. There'll be some kind of profit that you make at the end of this. Yeah, like why immediately hamstring your company by taking $400,000 of the investment money it just raised and then just giving it to your other company? Why immediately do that to this venture? And how much money do you really need if, like, the minimum amount that you absolutely need yeah. Is a million dollars, but almost half of that is going right back in your pocket. So you don't really need a million dollars, do you? Right. Uh, now, now to go further, a little bit further down this, and I'm not the only one that has noticed this. Yeah. But it's just something I found in reading about it. Hopefully, um, um, people who invested in this noticed this before they invested. I don't know. I don't. I, I will tell you. At the last time I looked. <laughs> $2,041,000 had been given by a total of 1,945 people. Mm. Uh, you have to invest a minimum amount of $200 in this company, and that, that average is about $1,000 a person, $1,049 a person. And, of course, some gave more and some gave less, of course. But people, people are doing it. And um, I think the fishier part of all of this is what they do with $50 million. Okay. Right? Now, remember, their stated objective is eventually to build a spacecraft, Mm -hmm. which he claims the technology exists for, and that people who can confirm this um, are working with him. He's got people on his board that claim to have worked for, like, you know, designing UFO projects. Like, people with experience. (laughs) Okay. With all of that in mind... For $50 million, if they collect $50 million, 
12 million is for operative expenses, including a seven and a half million dollar salary cap overall. So we're already over a fifth of it is for salaries. Yeah, we're already talking about paying people. Three and a half million dollars would be spent on larger offices and research facilities and shipping. Shipping? I don't know why that's in there. I really don't know why that's in there. Unless you're still considering this a media empire. Yeah, you're talking about your books still. Four million dollars to develop movie projects. One point seventy-five million to develop inventory like books, clothes, and comic books. Of all of fifty million dollars, <laughs> I wrote fifty goddamn million dollars. Uh, only forty percent is actually meant to be spent on things that matter. If you want to build a giant spaceship, those things would include acquisitions and partnerships with uh, aerospace and science companies. Support initiatives in science and art and research. For $50 million, about 40% goes towards things that could actually get you closer to that goal. You know, it's it's hard to get a gauge on exactly how fishy this is because it's not like there are a bunch of companies making businesses around making sure. a spacecraft, you know? Yeah, sure. But it, it's like on the one hand, it's somewhat logical if you have a bunch of excess funds of going, okay, what would we want to do with the extra? We would probably want to market this venture. We probably want to record it and document it. We would yeah. want to make media surrounding it. We would want to distribute materials to people. We, you know, I get, I get some of that, but it seems like maybe more or too much that has been put into that stuff than the actual making a spacecraft to me it speaks to all the priorities being wrong at the very least it it's very reminiscent to me of charities that spend so much of their money just you know entertaining and and claiming that they're drumming up new charitable donations but basically not spending a very large amount of what they collect on the thing they claim to do yeah um i the thing is 50 million dollars Seems like an awful lot, and it is in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. But considering what he's trying to do to build a craft at some point, I mean, put this in reference. They're spending, <clears throat> when I say forty percent of that fifty million, mm -hmm. uh, which is you know somewhere like uh, like what is that uh, twenty twenty million dollars or mm -hmm. whatever um, to build to build a to, to or to do science minded things. Meanwhile, a B two stealth bomber. Mm -hmm. Cost seven hundred and thirty-seven million dollars each to build. It just seems like the numbers aren't even remotely correlated right. with trying to do something like this. And let me clarify something for myself. The minimum of this is one million dollars. So yeah. what that does that mean that if they get a million dollars, they can definitely do this project. And they're definitely going to build this spacecraft? Uh, no, first of all, or it no just matter means... how much they collect, I don't think there's a stipulation for them definitely building the spacecraft. Right. But I mean, like, it's not them saying a million is what we need to build the craft. It's them saying a million is what we need to get the company off the ground. Yes. A million is what they need to 
to start a viable company that someday might somehow make enough money and partnerships to do the, their their general mission, which they're someday, not bound to somehow. do. <laughs> it's, I don't know. It just, I started to ask myself as I was reading this, couldn't they just build a tiny thing that travels from one room to the next? Can't that be on the list? Can't like some kind of basic a prototype up a prototype? Yeah, can't like... something real if if the technology's here and he knows the people who know about it, can't we would it revolutionize science if they made just a ball that goes from one basket to another one? Or yeah, or if they made like feasible drones that operate on this technology. Th- yes, this is what like got things me. that could actually be used. Yes. This is where this is where I got infuriated. Yeah. Because it's like for fifty million dollars you don't have on paper producing one tangible thing. And it's you know, if you if you can't talk about it and you can't tell us until we're ready and you need to wait until we can handle it, why are you, why are you being so withholding about something that could revolu- revolutionize the world, but for fifty million dollars that's still not enough for you to give us a piece of it. Yeah. And it got it just it made me angry, <laughs> and I guess I kind of that's where I, that's where I ended my case against this claim and against the, the 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 actually the entire academy to the stars academy that doesn't actually teach anybody anything. Mm-hmm. Um, nowhere in the plan, the stated plan, where people are expected or hoped to contribute as much as fifty million dollars, is there anything in specific about? Spending that money towards the development of a thing. Yeah. And that says a lot. To me, it says a lot. There's nothing concrete about getting anything together. What it sounds like is what this dude's been doing a long time. Another media outlet. Mm-hmm. Make another book. Make a movie. Claim that you're letting people in on the real thing. The real truth. Because people love a good... You know, viral marketing stunt. People love being People love fooled. a conspiracy theory. People love <clears throat> to think they know more than someone else. It's just so much more consistent with someone who's trying to produce, you know, entertainment mm-hmm. than someone who's trying to actually contribute to science. And I think trying to conflate those two things really bugs me. Mm-hmm. So I can't yeah. say for sure if he's lying or if he believes what he has to say. But if he does... He's going about it in just about the worst possible way. And it's really kind of sad that $2 million has already been put into this piggy bank. Yeah. Um, I think I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I've kind of already expressed my frustration. Yeah. I quickly want to say, I have talked about them before. Oh, no, Ross and Carrie mm-hmm. do a great, they do a great podcast. Yeah. They, if you want to hear some UFO shit, if you want to hear about aliens, listen to their podcast. Um, they have several episodes. They went to a couple different conferences. They met the aliens guy um, and yeah. talked to him. They heard several talks that he did. And that's kind of where I'm coming from into this episode is having listened to those episodes... And the stuff they had to say about the people who speak at these conferences. These are people who've dedicated their lives to this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so 
it just I don't believe that you know a lot of this stuff personally yeah but I feel like if anyone was gonna have the information it would be these people who've dedicated their lives to it yeah and it's they so wholeheartedly believe it yeah and it just I kind of want to know what those people think of Tom DeLong. Yeah. And if they they embrace him and believe him or if they kind of side-eye and scoff at him. Mm-hmm. Because I could see it going other way and I'm sure it's not a uniform reaction because yeah. there are factions of people even among believers, you yeah, know. Yeah, sure. Um but that's kind of where I'm at with it is just like I'm Annoyed and frustrated. I don't feel like I've gotten the answers I want. I don't know that I ever will. Mm-hmm. And I know people who are interested in his claims. I know people who... They're interesting. Yeah. By nature. They're super exciting. I know people who at least somewhat believe them. Yeah. And I always worry about people getting taken advantage of. Yeah. I don't want someone in my life who I care about... To give money to this when they they could be losing out, you know? Yeah. And not that I know anyone who would necessarily have the means to or believe it enough to invest. But, you know, people are investing $2 million. Yeah. And what are they going to get out of it? We don't know. The, the very likely reality is they will never see any return on that i mean even though they're buying shares in a company that company has to continue to grow and it seems very very likely to me maybe they'll see i don't know maybe the company will put out a really cool young adult fiction book (laughs) and it will sell like hotcakes that's actually very possible um but is this company gonna gonna fulfill its basic promises i would not bet on it i would not bet on it largely because Tom DeLonge has not given me any reason to actually believe that the kind of technology that he claims exists, which, again, he's so deliberately vague about, mm-hmm. the very few things I could actually pin down and research didn't hold up. Yeah. I think that vagueness is on purpose. And I would be, I would be very concerned for anyone putting money into a venture like this. He sounds like a guy with an angle. He sounds like a guy trying to make money. And I don't blame anyone for that, but just be honest about what you're doing. Write a great fiction book. Write a book. That's impressive, dude. Sure. You wrote a book. Good for you. But, but I think, like, I think he knows that the and it really happened angle always intrigues people. Yeah, yeah, it does. It is. It is intriguing. Yeah. His claims are interesting. But I think they're just claims. Yeah. I, I I don't really think there's a whole lot of merit to them. And it's just kind of sad. Yeah, it is kind of sad. I really, I honestly think if I had to really put down what on paper what I think is actually going on here, I think he's pulling a marketing stunt. Yeah. I think he knows that people kind of want to fall for things and kind of want to be fooled. Yeah. And I don't think he probably thinks he's being deceptive. And on some level, he probably really isn't. Because I think he probably thinks a lot of people are smart enough to know better, but they want to believe. Yeah. He's, he's hedging enough that he 
can probably allow himself to sleep at night. Yeah, exactly. Um, but when it comes to trying to raise $50 million from people, that's where I think I draw a personal line and say, this is, this isn't fair. Just be honest. Yeah. Be honest about what you're doing and what your goals are. Yeah, I think so. So anyway, that's, that's really it. That's all I have on Tom DeLong. Well, thank you for that. I mean, that is something I really have been wanting to know about. I know I didn't really assign you this topic. It just mm -hmm. happened more organically, but I have been wanting to know about that. We both wanted and, to uh, know about this topic because I, it keeps coming up. Yeah, and I hadn't been able to bring myself to do the research. No. So I'm glad that you did. <laughs> yeah, it's. I will say listening to the podcast is a pretty good experience. Um, I do want to do that. Yeah, definitely. If you're if you're out there listening to this and you want to kind of go in on a the, the the crazy ride I went on, listen to I the Joe Rogan experience, the Tom DeLonge episode. I can't promise I'll make it all the way through. No, I don't blame you. It's again, it's two oh. hours. Oh, something important that I really did want to talk about. I did learn this from Ross and Carrie too. Um, there is a government website. Mm -hmm. addressing a lot of claims unexplained phenomena ufo stuff yeah it is called vault v-a-u-l-t dot f-b-i dot gov slash unexplained phenomenon i know you've mentioned this to me but i don't know if you've mentioned it on the podcast i have not there are links to a bunch of different stuff i mean yeah. it's stuff like you know area 51 and you click on it and it gives you what the government stance is yeah. on all this stuff. Yeah. To me, if there were people in the government who really did want the truth to be out there, this is where you'd put it. Yeah, right. Flies under the radar. Not everyone is going to know about it. Almost nobody knows the that exists. information would be there. Also, it's just freaking cool to look at some of this stuff. So check that out. Again, it's vault.fbi.gov slash unexplained phenomenon. Right. And there's a bunch of topics you could look into there. Um, I had the idea that I would eventually assign you that as a topic and just say, go see what strikes you as interesting and talk about a couple of them. Yeah. Maybe we'll still do that one day because it's just neat it is that neat. it exists. Yeah, that they even have that sort of... Uh public facing consciousness to think this is something citizens might want and we are because willing to create it. Because the government knows that the greatest conspiracy is the government conspiracy. <laughs> that they're hiding things from us and not telling us the truth. Yeah. So you put everything there's ever been a claim about in one <laughs> place and you address it. And that's yeah. what they did. And unfortunately, it doesn't seem to slow down conspiracy people particularly yeah. much. But the fact that it exists is a nice touch because the worst thing that the government can do is stay silent. Yeah. So, so guys, check that out. Mm -hmm. Check out Ono, Ross, and Carrie. Check out Joe Rogan's podcast. Yeah. Um, especially the episode with uh, Tom DeLong. Tom DeLong. Yeah. But uh, just check his podcast out anyway. Yeah. I've, I've heard good things. Yeah. It's honestly, it's a lot of it's very interesting. I don't think I necessarily agree with the guy on everything, but he's he's persuaded by a good argument. And... And not by a poor one. And I appreciate that about him. Yeah, that's good. So, anyway, thank you for listening uh, to this episode. I hope you learned something. I know I did. I uh, did. That was, uh, some of that was a little bit deeper dive than other parts. But anyways, 
we will be back in another week with another episode of Goose Chase. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Goose Chase. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Goose Chase. We are Goose Chase Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, our handle is at GooseChasePod, and our website is www.GooseChasePodcast.com. If you have any topics you'd like us to research, please email us at GooseChasePodcast at gmail.com. Want to go on a goose chase? Yeah.